You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. with us. We are entering Holy Week together. This is Palm Sunday. If you didn't notice the kids walking through, it is incredible that as we look at who Jesus is, we get a chance to understand more about God's love and his power. And we've been looking at these miracles that Jesus performed to help us understand more about God. I was just watching these children come through, and kids are just an incredible miracle. And they come through, and, and I saw a couple of kids, like, see their parents, and then their leaders had to, like, pull them away from their going to their parents, right? And I think that this is kind of an illustration in my mind of us leading children because there's so many different things that are grasping at our attention and want us to follow after them, but we want them to say, okay, no, when these other things are drawing me, what really matters? What do I want to follow after? And for us, we want them to understand who God is and, and how much he loves them. We're going to be looking at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead today. And Jesus did so many incredible things, and the most important thing that Jesus did was on the cross. That's the, that is the biggest, most amazing thing. But this is the pinnacle of the other miracles. This is one where God says, look, on full display, this is who I am. This is what my power looks like, and this is what he does with Lazarus. But immediately, it doesn't look like things are going according to plan. It, it looks very confusing. And so... This is how our passage starts in John chapter 11, starting in verse 17. We see that there's some people that don't exactly like what Jesus chooses to do and when he chooses to do it. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This guy was Jesus' friend, and he was dead for four days. And we're going to see twice each of these ladies, when they meet Jesus, they're like, where were you? You should have been here four days ago. We needed you four days ago. And so what we sometimes do, what these ladies do, is they approach Jesus and they're like, I needed you then, but you're here now. I, I got the, the joy to perform my sister's wedding. Uh, we, we, it was kind of a 
smaller wedding, but we were uh, down, uh, it was a destination spot in the south, and so we went down, and we were getting ready for the wedding, but my sister's husband was at military training at Southcom at the time, and so it was kind of an intense situation, and we didn't know if he was going to make it when he was supposed to be there. And so he had to like hop a, a boat and get taken there, the special situation to get him to the wedding. And my sister was freaking out and I was super stressed. But as I look back on that situation, one of the things that I learned is that the groom is always on time for their wedding. It can't happen without him. The groom is always where he's supposed to be. Like the wedding will take place eventually when the bride and the groom are there. And I think that as I look back on that situation, as I think about Jesus showing up when they thought he wasn't supposed to show up, is Jesus is described as the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus, when he shows up, that's when things can happen. That's when stuff is supposed to happen. Because it's all about him, and he is always, always on time. I know there are probably times in your life where you thought, God, where were you? Why didn't you show up the way I wanted you to show up? Even the phrase Hosanna is, God, save now. Save us now. But I'll tell you what, Jesus... He's always on time. And, and all authority belongs to him. This is what we're going to see in this passage as he puts on display. There is no obstacle that we can face in this life that is bigger than him. He has all the authority over everything. And Jesus puts his authority on display in three ways. He, he makes a promise. He is present, and he displays his power. He makes a, a promise that has future implications and present reality. In verses 21 through 27, we get a chance to see the reaction to Jesus showing up, right? So Martha runs out. She runs out to meet him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So she thinks that she knows what Jesus is talking about. She's like, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Like at, at the last day, I'm, yeah, yeah, he's going to come back. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Martha runs up. Jesus, if you had been here, he's, he'd still be alive. Where, where were you? Jesus says, he's going to rise again. She says, yeah, I, I know someday, someday he'll rise again. It's a, it's a future promise. And then Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm the resurrection. I am the way people truly find life. 
And anyone who believes in me, he, he actually plays into it. It's like, this is, yeah, there is a future aspect to this promise. And, and she is right. Lazarus will rise again. But what we're going to see is that Jesus can breathe life into something that you thought was dead right now. Not just for the future. Jesus can do it right now. He says, look, I, what you're looking for in the future is found in me. And he is our hope of resurrection. He is the way we can look at death and not be afraid. Some of us find ourselves in a relationship with Jesus or God where we think, all right, well, one day in heaven, everything's going to be okay. I'll be able to experience peace and love and joy. I'll, I'll be able to experience those things perfectly in heaven, which is true. But there's a present promise that God is going to and can deliver in us through his Holy Spirit right now. It, it's not just all about heaven in the future. It is about that, but it is about us here and now experiencing what Jesus has for us. He is the resurrection and the life. He can breathe life into our dead hearts and souls. One of the videos that I see online sometimes is these Christmas videos with families that are surprising their kids with a trip to Disney. And my favorite type of video like this is when the parents like give them Disney stuff and then they say, hey, um, look, we're going on this incredible trip and the kids start to realize, oh, we're going to go to, we're going to go, we're going to have this incredible experience as a family, we're going to go on vacation. And then the parents are like, okay, now let's go get in the car. We're going right now. We're leaving now. It's not something that's just going to happen in a little bit. We're going to go. And what's interesting about that to me is the, the kids all of a sudden, are, there's a whole nother level of surprise because they're like, wait, we, we thought this was going to be in a couple months or a couple weeks, but it's happening right now. They get in the vehicle, but that doesn't mean that they, you know, teleport there, right? They still have to travel and figure out a way to get there. But they are able to live in the excitement of the promise, even though there's an interim time of trying to get to where they're going. Not just the future. We're heading there now. God is doing something now. And this promise that Jesus gives is about the future, but it's about the present. It's something you can experience. His resurrection now. I can't even tell you the amount of times specifically recently where people have reached out to me talking about brokenness and their lives and their marriages and sickness where we have to cling to the promise of eternity but also know that when you experience brokenness, it is not beyond God's ability to breathe life into a situation that you thought was dead. Martha is here before God and she says, look, I know I have a hope one day. But he says, no, I am your hope right now. I am the resurrection that you are looking for. You see, we, we often want deliverance from things that feel oppressive in this world. 
We, we want God to fix the issue that we're wrestling with right now when what's really broken is inside of us. And when we offer that to God, that brokenness, that death that's in us to him, he can breathe life into it. Jesus makes that promise. Why? Because he has all the authority. All authority belongs to him. He, he makes a promise. He says, I am what you're looking for. And there's a future that will take place as a result of this promise, but there's a present as well. In verses 32 through 37, we're going to jump some descriptive verses that just talk about them traveling from place to place. And, and then this is when Martha has had an interaction with Jesus already, but then Mary finally has an interaction with him as well. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So Mary comes. She sees Jesus. There's this whole group of, of mourners with her. Then we get a couple of incredibly powerful verses. It says that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And the direct translation of this phrase is like Jesus was irate. He was furious when he sees these, these people coming. As I was looking at this passage and studying over it, there are a few commentators that, that believe that actually Jesus hates death. He hates the idea of death and pain and suffering. So when he sees the fallout of Lazarus being dead and all of the pain that people are going through, he feels it so deeply that he's furious that people have to go through this experience of death. And as he's frustrated about the situation, he enters in and weeps with them. Just weeps with them. Jesus wept. It is unbelievably comforting to know that we serve a God that doesn't just live off in his holy heavenly castle and look down and say, oh, well, you have issues. I'm perfect up here. Jesus enters in and feels pain along with us. He knows what that feels like. So when you go through pain, when you go through sadness, Jesus is present with you in that. He makes a promise, but he doesn't stay distant. He becomes present. And presence, somebody going through pain with you makes such a huge difference. 
Sometimes it's the only thing that, that I can say to someone who's going through an extremely difficult time is to say, look, I, I can't know exactly what you're going through, but God does. And he has experienced loss. He's experienced pain. One of the things that was interesting to me growing up is my dad, I, I was a, I don't know, if rebellious kid. I didn't love rules growing up, so I, was, I struggled to obey all the time. And so my dad would ratchet up the, the punishment over time for me, and I'm like covering my bottom as I talk about this because it, was, uh, it got serious at times. And there were a few moments where my dad just knew, like, look, you've crossed the line. I need to make sure for your safety that you don't ever like ride your tricycle on a major highway. True story. And so he uh, takes me into my room. You know, my mother had said, wait till your father comes home, right? The worst fearful things you could ever say. And so I'm sitting there. I wait for my dad. He comes in and he removes his belt and he sits down and he says to me something that I didn't understand at the time. He said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Because this is going to hurt me pretty bad. And, and he, he dealt the, the punishment. And he sat down with me. And he started to cry. And he looked at me and he said, I want you to understand that I care about you so much that I cannot allow you to do certain things. And I will never forget, in my mind, I can still see I'm 42 years old. I know, it's old, I know, I'm sorry. I'm st I can still see the tears rolling down my father's cheeks. And you know what? As a dad... Now I understand in ways I never could as a child. It was because of my father's love for me that he was able to discipline and communicate to me. Now look, I know there's a lot of different opinions about child rearing and you, everybody makes their own choices, no judgment out there. But for me, my father was able to in those moments communicate love even though there was consequence that needed to be had. You see, Jesus knows that all of the pain these people are experiencing is horrible. And he feels it too. He loves them so much. He loves his people so much. He loves Lazarus, Mary, and Martha so much that he actually weeps. Think about the God of the universe who created galaxies at the beginning of time standing here with these people crying because he doesn't just skip right to power. He doesn't just move right to, I'm going to fix it. He makes a promise he says, I'm the thing that you're looking for. I am the resurrection. He is present with them. And one of the things that, that we often make the mistake of when people are grieving is we think we need to find the perfect thing to say. And I've heard a lot of people looking for the perfect thing to say, say the wrong thing. 
Because it's easy in those situations to try to force yourself. You feel like, I have to say something. And then you say something, you're like, oh, that didn't come out right. And then you end up causing harm. One of the most powerful things we can do for people that are in grief is just be there. Just be present. Just show them that you love them and care enough to show up when they're going through pain. Jesus gives us his presence. And then he puts on display his power. Verses 38 through 44, this is what he does next. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor that has, has been there four days. He's, he's been there four days. It's going to smell really bad, Jesus. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This guy's been dead for four days. Jesus, standing in front of the tomb, says, move the stone. Take the stone away. And then very practically, his sister says, it is going to smell really bad. Do you realize that, Jesus? Because I, it's going to be unpleasant for us for a little while. You move that stone, we're going to have to deal with some negative stuff. As I was reading this passage, are there times where we feel like God maybe is asking us to do something, but we will interpret something negative that could happen before something really good happens, and then we stop? And we, like, like Martha, we say, well, hang on, hang on. Um, there's a really bad smell. I don't know if I want to see if you can raise this guy like, those things are ridiculously different. But what I see in life is we let little obstacles stop us. So, for instance, there's Easter coming up. And you maybe have a neighbor or a coworker that, or a friend that you're like, hey, I could invite them to come to Easter with me. But we sometimes will say, well, I don't want to make it weird. I don't want to get, like, that's kind of the stench, right? This immediate stench that we have to figure out somehow to get over. If we want to see God do incredible things, we have to push through some short-term difficulty. And I'm not saying it's not going to be hard or maybe make it weird. But what's on the other side? Is 100% worth it to feel like God used me in redeeming and calling somebody back to himself. 
is unbelievable. It is the highest use of a human soul. They move the stone, Jesus calls in, and puts on display for everyone to see, I am different than all of the things that you have seen before. I have more power. I'm not just a magician pulling off these tricks that you've seen. I have real power and real authority. Just different. I remember when I was playing uh, football in high school, one of my coaches was one of the best athletes that ever went to our school. And he had run in the state track meet. He, he ran hurdles and he was phenomenal. Just an incredible, incredible athlete. But he said when he went, he ran against Tyrone Wheatley, which I don't know if, you, if, if many of you know this. He was a running back for Michigan. He was from the state of Michigan, and he played in the NFL. He was, he was amazing. And so my coach ran against him, and he thought he was a pretty big deal. And he said the craziest thing he had ever seen in sports took place. And he he's, he's lines up against Tyrone Wheatley running track. And he said the first hurdle, Tyrone like tripped over the first hurdle and he put his hand on the ground and he said everybody went by him. And then he got up and he won the race. He blew past everyone after tripping over the first hurdle. It was like poof. And everybody was like, whoa, that guy is another level. He is different than the rest of us. Jesus walks into this miracle after having done a lot of incredible things, and they doubt him because of the things that he had done before. They're like, well, he's made blind men see. He's done incredible stuff. So couldn't he have stopped this man from dying? Jesus allows him to die so that he can say, no, I'm different than everything you've experienced. I have real authority and real power. And he calls out, and he says, look. He actually has this conversation with God to let you and I know that he does everything on purpose so that we can see his power displayed and his connection to the Father. Real power on display. He makes a, a promise to them. He says, I am the resurrection. One day you'll experience resurrection, but you can have that promise now. He weeps with them. He says, I'm with you. He gives us his presence. And then he puts on display his power because all authority is in him. In verse 25, Jesus says this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. We're pretty afraid of death, aren't we? I mean, I think if the, the pandemic taught us one thing, it's that if you want all of the world to freak out, threaten somebody's life. Life. How many years they have left on this earth? I had, I had a chance to sit down with, with a friend of mine who we were talking about COVID and the pandemic. And, and I said, look, uh, sometimes people die. This was like three months ago. He was like, well, you know, 
I was just advocating that, that we need community. We need to be around each other. It's an important part of how God made us. And I said, sometimes people die. And then over the course of the next few months, I, I lost a really close friend. And what I learned from that experience is that we all do die, actually. And it's easy to talk about in theory. But when you're walking through the reality of losing someone, you ask yourself the question, what really matters? And we have these fears. We're, we're so afraid of, of death, of losing our life. But what Jesus tells you and tells me is that life is completely uncertain. But amidst all of the uncertainty, we can have one thing that we completely put our trust in and can stand upon. Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And he proves his authority to us by taking on the biggest enemy that any of us will ever face in our human bodies, death. And he says, I have power even over that. I have ultimate authority even over that. So that we can have hope and trust that his authority, it's promised to us. In our pain, he gives us his presence. And to the biggest obstacle, he puts on display his power. He speaks into the cave and out comes where there was a dead man. Out comes someone who breath filled up their lungs. Blood started pumping through this dead heart again. Now, I don't, I don't know what it's like in your life or what the situations are that you're going through. But I will tell you, I have seen God breathe life over and over to things that people had given up on. They thought it was done. But God wasn't done. What is a situation in your life where you've maybe thought, God, I, I've kind of given up on this. What what could you do after all of this time? He's been dead four days. And because all authority belongs to him, he makes a promise that only he can deliver on. He's with you and offers you his presence and puts on display his power. It's a future promise of resurrection in eternity with God. But there's a present reality that we can live into experiencing this life that he offers us through the forgiveness and rejuvenation. Have you given up on yourself? Have you given up on different situations that you're going through? It is not beyond the power of God to redeem absolutely anything in anyone and he puts it on display for us because all authority belongs 
to Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll close. God, we're amazed again at your story of rescue for us. That you love us so much. You hate death so much. That you experience sadness and pain on our behalf. God, I, I pray that as we muddle through this brokenness and the mistakes that, that we're going to make in this life, God, I pray that you would show us, show us your power, show us your authority, and help us to surrender ourselves to you and live in the promise that you are the resurrection and you are the hope that we can have in this life. God, save us. Be our king, the one that we need. Not the one that we would necessarily want or choose, but the one that we really need to forgive and conquer our sins. Bring new life, shine your light through the power of your spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.